119, 119. We're uh, going through the topic of perfection here. And um, last week we talked about the hypotheticals or the difference between the hypothetical and the, the practical nature of moral perfection. Can I be sinless? And, and, um, and we said, well, hypothetically, that would, that would be wonderful. I could start today and, and make every right decision going forward. Uh, it's not practically going to happen. I, I, I know that practically that's not going to happen. Uh, and, and quite frankly, if I did, it still wouldn't make a difference because there's this little thing called yesterday. Uh, so... Um, and, and what, I, what we ended up at is that, that actually, uh, this is really the smallest area of, of Christianity. This is really the, this is the, the concept that, that God was teaching throughout the Old Testament. This was the, the basic, fundamental idea, moral, moral perfection. That's, that's kind of where he left off. In, in the Old Testament. And he was saying, listen, you, you guys are like kids. It's like uh, the law is a tutor to get you ready for really what I want to introduce you to, which is advanced concepts. Where, where this, is, this is like faith and virtue and all that. This is like 101 here in the Old Testament. And I'm going to get you ready. And, and unfortunately, many Christians, they hear this idea of perfection. And that's where they want to run to and, and talk about all the things that we don't do. And, and God's like, that's 101. Why do we have to teach 101 again? Right? Uh, and that's what, Hebrews, that's what Paul says in Hebrews. He says, listen, why should I have to teach you the elementary principles again? Why are we back in second grade? Let, let, let's go beyond this. Let's go on to perfection. And so any areas that we're going to talk about, we want, want to get to perfection. That's the ideal. The goal is to get to the, to the best standard of, of whatever area of, of our faith we're talking about. And um, I want to, as we go, we understand that perfection is a journey. We have to understand that in terms of humanity, not just in the topic of moral perfection, but, but in any of these, we are going to fall short. Not just in terms of whether I sin or not, but, but in all of these areas, there's going to be times where I just don't, I, I just don't accomplish. I, it's like, it's a, what do they call that? The law of diminishing returns. The closer I get, the, the, the harder it is to make that next step. They, they, you know, they, they, I heard a discussion this week talking about, you know, uh, uh, I guess uh, some, some guy, he passed away. He was one of the guys that was the first to shave uh, uh, under whatever the time was, <coughs> in the 100 yard dash or 100 meter dash or something. Uh, and he was the first one to do it. He passed away this week. And they talk about, like, since then, like, like how many, you know, tenths of a second or hundredths of a second have been shaved off. The, the more time goes, and then, and then this guy shaves off just a little bit. And, like, these records are getting hard. There's going to come a point in which no one is going to break that record because just humanly, it's not possible humanly. And, and that's the idea of perfection. We, we seek perfection, but, but no one is ever going to run the 100-meter dash in zero seconds. That's just never going to happen. So, so uh, you know, uh, that, that would be perfection. You could not be, you know, you can't do better than that. 
unless you could turn back time, I suppose you could do it in negative seconds, but, uh, but we want to transition to another idea of, of perfection. Uh, understanding that even with the inability, people know, people race and train for whatever the things are that they do, and they know they're probably not ever going to break the record. But they still train, don't they? They still train every bit as hard as though they're going to. And, and that's the idea through, throughout, throughout this that we want to get. Just because I'm not going to get there. Paul says, I have not yet attained. But I press on. And that's the idea. I'm not going to get there. I'm not physically going to be able to run that race and, and, and look like Jesus. Like Someone's gonna. If, if you compare my life and Jesus' life, well, I can't. I can't tell the difference between those two guys. Like that's not ever gonna be said. But I still run that race, trying. That's the goal. To try to do that as best as I can. So uh, we're gonna transition to a different type of perfection. And the first two that we talk about, really, all of them have to do with God. But but ex- these two, we talked about moral perfection. Uh, and this week we're going to also talk about ones that are between us and God. They, they don't involve anybody else necessarily. The others are, are, have to do with God, but they will involve different groups of people. Our faith is diverse. And it involves all sorts of different groups of people. But these will impact other people. Right? My, my moral perfection or imperfection impacts other people. But it's not between me and people. It is something that is exclusively between me and God. Uh, and then God says, well, you fell short, and, and that, that hurt somebody over here. <clears throat> and, and that's true. But we want to start out looking at simply my relationship between me and God. So we, we, we went through and talked about uh, moral perfection. Uh, this week we're going to talk about uh, a, another one, spiritual perfection. And there's a lot of uh, ways we can go with this. Uh, we spent a lot of our year last year talking about spirituality and different elements of it. Um, and so I don't want to retread it too much. I, I try not to do that. Typically, I always like to start from the, the inside of us and work out. You know, I, I, and, and this is not the direction I've gone. Last week, we started kind of from the, the, the physical side, what it looks like, moral perfection and things like that. And we're working inside. And the reason is because what we talked about, that is the most basic element, the, that, that practical life, doing things the right way. That, that's the most basic element. And so we began there. That's, that's where the Old Testament left off. Um, so, um, so moral perfection that's that most fundamental. We're going to, once we handle that simple concept, he says, okay, now let's move on to something a little bit more complex. Let's handle spiritual things. So <clears throat> I want to begin here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 through 16. He says, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought uh, except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, 
comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And the spiritual person judges all things, but he himself is judged by no one. For who has understand the mind of the Lord so as to instruct them? But we have the mind of Christ. Now, uh, a couple of things uh, in this text. I'm going to kind of break this down a, a little bit. And we're going to talk about some uh, degrees of, of influence and, and, and things like that. And we want to talk about our, our spiritual influence. Uh, but we, we need to look at this, uh, this verse. He says, We impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Uh, now, <clears throat> this passage, he, he kind of breaks it down, and, and there's interesting things in this passage. Now, he begins, a lot of this is aimed at talking about the apostles. He seems to be talking about the apostles as men who are under divine influence of the Holy Spirit to teach people. But then he gets into, uh, into a different verse and he's talking about just generally people who are spiritual. And, um, but he gets into this verse and this, this verse is kind of controversial. Uh, it's in, in translated differently. Um, so uh, this might be how verse 13 looks in your Bible, if you have like a NIV or, or a more modern version. <clears throat> it says, we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And I don't know if that looks like something in your Bible, uh, but I want to go through this text because this is a more recent one. What I, when I read would be a, 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 from, from like a, a King James or New King James, something a little bit older. And I want to explain the difference between this and I want to explain why, why this has been translated. It, it's not very clear in the original. And so there's kind of room for translation. And, and uh, this is what we would call an interpretation. Someone's trying to, someone's come to a conclusion and, and reworded the Bible uh, to try to convey what they think this means because of, of various reasons. I don't know why, but, um, but so let's look at this text. Uh, first of all, the word truth, in, uh, if you look at it in, in one of those more recent versions, is not even in there. It says spiritual truth. It actually literally says, uh, in, uh, well, we won't even talk about the word interpret, but it says whatever, comparing or interpreting spiritual to that which is spiritual. It's not even talking about necessarily people. There's, there's no direct reference to a person at all. Uh, and the word truth is not in there. That's the first thing. So we want to look at the words that are actually in there uh, and see what they mean. Uh, the next thing is that the word interpret uh, in, the, in, the, in the New Testament, the word is menuo. It, it has different prefixes and it can mean like to interpret like I'm, I'm interpreting from something it can mean to teach like if I'm uh, uh, if I'm expounding upon a topic for your benefit that would be a difference so we get the, our word hermeneutics from this word menuvo uh, and there's a lot of different forms but that's not the word here uh, an interpreter that would be a, a form of that word all those words come from that word menuvo that's not the word here the word here is sukrina. I know you guys love when I do this, but, but it is important. It literally means to judge together, not together 
time-wise. Um, it's only used, Paul uses it one other time. Uh, and he uses it here in, uh, in 2 Corinthians. He says, uh, and it's not really related to our topic, but I want you to see how the word is used. He says, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they are measuring themselves with one another and they compare themselves uh, with one another, they are without understanding. That's how the word works. This is the word comparison. It's not the word interpretation. He's comparing something, and, and, and I want you to notice how it's used. He, he, we talk about apples and oranges. You can actually compare apples and oranges. They're both fruits. Now, if I compared apples with liberty, you can't do that, because they're, they're, one's a concrete thing, one's an abstract. You, you can't do that. They, they, they don't exist in the same thing. This word is used to compare likes. He says they compare themselves by themselves. That's, that's how this is used in, in 2 Corinthians. So when you go back to that text um, and, and you look at it kind of the way it was originally translated, not interpreted, but translated, he says we, we, this is what it says. He says we, uh, we teach in human uh, things, not, not in human wisdom, but things taught by the Spirit, comparing spiritual with spiritual. In other words, this this. There's spiritual thoughts, and we're comparing them with some type of spiritual thoughts. And it's vague, and that's why people are struggling to try to figure out what this means. But, but they're likes. There's not spiritual people and spiritual information. That's not what he's talking about. He's not interpreting it for their benefit. That's a different word. So I want to talk about what this does mean, or to me, the, the, the best I can understand it. Um. Verse 14, if we back up to verse 14, he says, The natural person does not accept the things of God, for they are foolishness to him. He's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Uh, so he references natural people. Right? There's a thing we call, we, we call this... We, we throw a new word on it, and we think we've invented something today that never existed before. We call it secular humanism. Like, ooh, that's, that's a new thing. No, Paul talked about it back here. Secular humanism. Natural people. And they think about things, and they only, from what they, they only <coughs> interpret the value of things from what they can see, uh, from the science, or what have you. And, and that's, that's their only sphere. If I can see it and if I can touch it, that's the value of it. And he says that their, their mind can't grasp spiritual things. It's just kind of, that, that's all vague to them. It's, 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 I can only, if I can touch it and see it, that, that's all. That's the only things that have value. And so, we, we look throughout this book and Paul repeatedly says, listen, I don't resort to philosophy to teach my ideas. Christianity is not subject to your, to your Greek philosophy. You Greeks want philosophy, the Jews want a sign, and all those, these things. And he says that, that those things don't contain spiritual truth. That's not how spiritual things work. And so, so he's like, I'm not going to try to subject spiritual principles to, uh, to this... What's the word? There's a, there's a fancy word for it, but the uh, paradigm. Yeah, it's the paradigm. I, 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 can't, I can't put it in that 
terminology. It doesn't work. Now, this is not to say that Paul never used physical comparisons to things, right? He, look, people hate sports analogies. You know, no one used sports analogies more than the Apostle Paul. I mean, go read the Bible. He's like boxing, wrestling, racing, the Olympics. Like, like he was the sports, he was the original sports analogy guy in a sermon. And uh, I try to spare you that to some degree. Not, not too good at that, but he, he used illustrations of things. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, but to try to force the Bible to be a natural, physical thing. We don't do that. I don't, I don't compare it, and I don't, I don't disseminate the Bible on those terms. I, I, I will get to a real application of this in a second. But we do need to be able to spot the counterfeit. Um, Because if you force the Bible, if you force spiritual thought into it, it sounds wise and it sounds elitist, but you will do necessary harm to it. It doesn't exist where that works. I heard an advertisement, uh, it was uh, for podcasts. I, I tell you, there's so many podcasts out there. And, uh, and I don't even know what the person was trying to convey, what the podcast is about. Uh, it, it, like, I don't know from what side it was coming from, but it was, it was talking about uh, the Second Amendment or gun rights or something like that. I don't even know what side... They were pushing. It was so vague. But in the thing, they had a clip of a person that said this. Uh, and it was a, the, the person in the, that they were quoting was, was obviously a Second Amendment guy. He said, we have, I tried to get this quote exactly right. I've heard the advertisement enough. I should, I should know it. We have a divine God-given right to keep and bear arms. That's what he said. No, you don't. No, you don't. I, I've read this. Trust me, we're going to go through this next year. We're going to go through the whole thing. You point it out to me if we get past it. Well, there it is. Right? It's not in there. But here's a person who has done exactly what we're talking about. He's taken, he's taken a spiritual book and he's turned it into a physical thing. And, and he's subjected... He subjected this to, to like a human, natural, logical, physical thing that, that, that appeals to him. That's not what this book is or does. I, I'm not going to say you can or can't, whatever. I don't care. It's not in here is what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I have heard the scripture used to both, like, opposite, whatever the topics are. People on opposite side quote this or misquote this or just make it up. I don't care uh, patriotism for or against. I've heard it. Uh, which side you should vote for? I grew up with a guy that said you shouldn't vote. I've heard it all. 
I've heard the entire spectrum. From here. It's not in here. Not in here. Voting, not in here. Guess what? Paul never voted a day in his life. Yeah, don't think the emperor let himself be up for a vote back then. Anyway. Uh, I've heard every agenda under the sun from here. And it's not in here. Those agendas are not in here. It gets used as a sledgehammer. Paul says, that's not what this book is for. Those are natural, those are physical things. And they might be fine for a government to decide to do what they want to do with a border or what they want to do with a tax policy or an economic policy or whatever they want to do. That's fine. It's up to the government to decide to do that. And you can vote for this and you can vote for that and that's fine. He says, it's not in here. That's all. This is a spiritual book. It is for spiritually minded people. And so Paul says, I, I, I don't subject this to the things that you want to do it. That, that's dumbing this down. That's, that's putting this down where it does not belong. That puts it down on a, on a human scale, on a human level of people that are not willing to think up here. This is for people who want to elevate the mind to try to learn the mind of Christ. Second Timothy 4.10 talks about Demas. He says, Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. A lot of people weren't around Paul, but one of them had left for the reason of just everything around him was attractive. Now, now this doesn't... I, I don't know that, that Demas became this horrible, wicked guy. I, that's not in here. It just says he's, he likes the world. He just likes what he sees. He just, like, just the natural stuff that's around him, he likes it now. And, and so this stuff has lost interest. Or lost his interest, I should say. And this is the problem. This is the problem is that, that when we, we get attracted to the natural things, it won't just, it won't just stay in a neutral state. It will eventually take us away from God. If I am not getting closer to God, I will be getting away from him. It, it just never stays like, like you can't just like, I'm just going to stay right here. I'm just going to stay parallel in the lane. I'm, I'm going to stay in my lane. You never stay in your lane. You never stay in your lane. You're going to go here. You're going to go there. You're going to merge or you're going to drive off the road. It's one of the two. So what we want to do is we want to get to the higher plane. We want to look in Ephesians. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and be in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, and against the cosmic powers and present darkness and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is, this is one of those texts. You could just get into it as far and deep as you want and, with 10 minutes left, we don't have that much time to get into it. Unless I do like Paul and preach till midnight, but I'm probably going to get some resistance there. So I won't. But what we want to do is 
develop first our spiritual vision. We, we, we tend to get embroiled in human controversies. Right? That's just our nature. Uh, and it's not to say we shouldn't you know, try to correct things if they're actually wrong things. But we just, we get embroiled in human controversies. And, and sometimes we mistake these controversies for spiritual ones, and we really have to get involved in, and get up in arms about things. Uh, and and, and it, Katie and I know a guy uh, in Ukraine. Now, if there's a place where these two you would think mix, right, it, where it's hard to distinguish, it's in Ukraine. And, and, and we know a guy who brought in a soldier into the church Let's go back just, you know, five minutes. And was teaching them how to use guns in the church building Sunday morning. A soldier. This seemed logical to him. Well, I got to tell you, it would seem logical to me too. Not not here, not now. Not, you know, when when we can drive where we want and and, in peaceful times. But I can see where, when, when you see buildings blowing up, I could see where you could where you could confuse these two. It's hard sometimes to keep these worlds separate, and especially the closer it feels to something spiritual. I was I was woken out of a dead sleep this week, and and Katie was talking about oh, there's something going on on Facebook. This person posted this. I was immediately awake. I was like, I was ready. I was like, Andrew, slow down. And and I. You know what? I, I don't have to go to the computer today. I don't have to. It is liberating. I don't have to get on. And I don't have to tell them what I think. I don't have to. They, just, they can have their little thing there. And I, I never looked at it. I never, not, not once. It's like, I don't have to. It's so freeing. It was liberating. I don't have to let everybody know what Andrew Green thinks. On this particular subject. Now I have definite opinions. Really definite opinions on that topic. But I don't have to. It's nice. It's thinking on a higher plane. God identifies the enemy. We are so used, because we live in a physical plane, we are used to thinking that each other is the enemy. Right? And he says, no. That guy on Facebook is not your enemy. We do not fight against flesh and blood. Sometimes they feel like my enemy. But it's we fight against something going on on a much higher level. Let's direct our attention there. That's where the real fight is. And, and Satan just stirs it up over here. And we're whoop. just distract them over here. And I get to do what I'm doing over here. And we just... So first thing I have to do is I have to develop my spiritual vision. I have to understand, look underneath what all these things happening. Oh, it looks like this is happening, this is happening. What's going on really? Don't even follow the... Oh, follow the money. Don't follow the money. That's the stupidest one you could follow. Follow the money. <laughs> You'll be over here. Whoosh. Satan wants you to follow the money. 
follow what's going on spiritually. Because that's where the action's at. Ephesians 6, 14 through 17. Again, we, we're not going to go through these in, in detail. It says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith which is, uh, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And so this is the text where he says how to approach spiritual enemies we you identify them you look at them and you evaluate them and say this what spiritual thing is happening in the world what what is satan trying to accomplish you can plug in ukraine you can plug in anything uh whatever you think is a physical thing okay okay this is an event that's happening what spiritually is happening what is satan trying to do to god what is god doing in in what what things are happening Spiritually speaking, let me tell you something. Let me, let me explain Ukraine a little bit, just in a microcosm. If you want to know what God's doing, or how God is using it. A year ago, a year and a half ago, the church in, in Nicopol, just where, where we were, was 50 people. There was about 10 people in a rehab center outside of it. Now, like the whole city, two-thirds of that city left. It was a city of 140,000. It's now 50,000. The church did the same thing. It was down two-thirds. Went out, either left the country, mostly the women, or a lot of the men went to the western part of the country where a little bit fewer bombs. Okay. So we're down to about 18, 20 people. Last Sunday, my, my wife went downstairs. Uh, last Sunday in Nicopol, there were 70 people in church. Do the math. A lot of the people have gone out to a rehab center, which is now used as a refugee center. They've purchased a building. They now have a new church building planned. And they're having 30 to 40 people. Are you doing the math? You want to know what God's doing? That's what God's doing. That's incredible. I don't know how long he's going to be doing that for. We look and we go, and we evaluate on the physical only. And we don't see what spiritual things God is doing on a much larger scale. I'm not in favor of war. But I'm not going to tell God how to do his job. I want you to look at this text here. Because he tells us how to deal with things once we've identified them. He says, look at all these things. You notice that almost all of them have something in common. He starts with the belt of truth. You understand how many of these pieces of things have to do with truth? The gospel? It seems redundant. The, The gospel. And he ends up talking about the word of God. The gospel and the word of God. Those seem really similar. They're slightly different. He talks about faith. Well, that faith is premised on principles. Right? Even righteousness and salvation are premised on the concept of truth. What God is telling me is that truth is a pretty important concept. 
to fight our spiritual warfare with. Whether it be a message to those who are lost, or whether it be the doctrine that we teach those in church with, whatever the thing is that we're doing, it's all around concepts of truth, these abstract ideas. And people get bogged down in, in physical things. He says, that's not, how, that's not how you'll fight this war. That's not how you're going to... We, we are so nervous when, when physical forces seem like they're going to win. Oh, they're going to win. Uh, they're, they're, they're winning. And, and, and we, we have all these parameters by which we judge how they're winning. We, we judge it by elections. We judge it by the laws. We judge it by things happening in the news. And we say, this is happening. This is happening. This happening. Truth will win every time. God says so. Says, this, is how, this is how you fight this war. If, you, if we get distracted and we're going to start fighting fire with fire, no, we're going to lose that war. We can't fight on their terms. God says, this warfare, you have to fight And we talk about how this affects other people. And Andy mentioned it in his prayer about how, how when you, you make decisions, it affects other people. You, we, we, we will affect people we've never met by the way we fight. I approve it. Uh, you, uh, you talk with someone about, you know, Christianity or whatever, and they'll... they'll you know, if they're a, a critic of, of Christians, they have different, there's, a, there's like a handful of responses they'll have. And one of them kind of goes like, because you'll try to say, well, well, Christianity really is peaceful. And, and then if I give you like, if we did like Family Feud here, and you, you have to pick up the top answers, like number one through three, they're going to come back with this. Right? What about the Crusades? What about the Crusades? Oh, that would look really peaceful, didn't it? That's a hard... How do I come back on that one? People who fought war in the name of Christ for hundreds of years. Like, did horrible things. Why? Because they interpreted something biblical, but, but they subjected it to a physical thing. Oh, God loves the Holy Lands, and we must protect the Holy Lands. Why? God doesn't care less about the Holy Lands. <coughs> he really couldn't. It's not in here. It is not in here. The shrines and all this other stuff, it's not in here. You will not find a single shrine in here. But they fought for hundreds of years over this thing. And so now it's like, I have a, how do I come back from that? Oh, yes, Christianity is a religion of peace. We impact other people by the way and the weapons that we use to fight with. I'm not going to fight a crusade, unless you see me on Facebook, right? I'll do that. And how many people, how many people have you seen lose their friendships over the way that they fight on Facebook? that one? Yeah. And how many people do you suppose were just kind of watching the thread? Just seeing the thread. And, and, and what did they do? People I will never know. 
saw the thread and saw my comments, I will never know the people I've impacted when I have chosen to fight a spiritual warfare using physical weapons. Destructive. I, I can't even apologize to those people because I don't know who they are. We will impact other people's God says, move towards spiritual perfection. It's hard to do. It's so hard to do. Because I can see it and touch it and feel all, all these things. I can hear it and this is what I'm surrounded by. But I have to start that journey. Right? Take the high road. Take the high road. Just, I'm just going to be above that down there. Not because I'm so holy. But because God says, come up here. View things from up here. It's a whole different view. If we start looking at things from a spiritual perspective, look at things how I see them. It's a lot better view. Not that humanity is so much better, but, but the whole picture, the whole thing that God is doing throughout time and through Christ, through, through the spiritual things that God wants to accomplish, and all these different things. He says, look at things from a spiritual perspective. Don't, don't get bogged down. Satan and the world, they, they want you down here looking at things right up close. And it is a refreshing view to be able to take the high road. Travis. I stand amazed in the presence.